Hello, and welcome to the Science of Sales podcast for Rural. I'm your host, Sinjin Craner. So let's get into it. I set up this podcast really as a first one to help rural sales professionals and companies be more productive and profitable using lifelong learning through sharing really good educational-based content. So if you're a rural company or a person that wants to profit more, this show has been made just for you. Every three weeks on the show, we will be interviewing different guests who are experts in their field of sales, marketing, or branding. They'll share their specialist knowledge and insights with you to help you and your rural business, wherever that might be in rural New Zealand, to secure more sales. And today on the show, we are very lucky to have New Zealand's best recognized and most foremost body language expert and nonverbal communication analyst, author and executive coach, Suzanne Macefield. Suzanne is a body language analyst for Seven Sharp, Close Up, Breakfast, Sky TV in the UK and the Herald and Sunday newspaper here. She was TVNZ and TV3's go-to body language expert for the last two US and New Zealand elections. Her impressive and extensive client list includes Sky TV, New Zealand Rugby, HSBC, Air New Zealand, Qantas, Spark, The Beeb or BBC, TBNZ, Lion Nathan, Nestle, and her work takes her all over the globe. So we're really lucky to have her uh, today on our show and for her to share her wisdom with us. So we're very grateful. And Suzanne, welcome to the show. Thank you, Sinjin. It's great to be here. Grand. Good. Um, so yeah, you're you're our first victim, or I should say, our first guest on our, on our on our podcast show. I've never done this before, so let's hope there's many more to come. And I just wanted to say thank you for joining us uh, and the listeners and the audience and sharing your sharing your wisdom with us because um, I know you're a very very busy person, and it's uh, yeah, it's fantastic. Happy here. That's great. It's exciting. I'm looking forward to it. So Susan, before Suzanne, before we get into it, can you? Sort of help our listeners uh, understand a bit more of your backstory. How you got? How did you get into this field of non-verbal body language? What 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 triggered it? What happened? Well, it was a process really. I was uh, head of the UK sales in a uh, big American corporate in the UK, and I hit burnout. And I decided that I was going to start to study what made people well, what made them sick, what was made them good communicators, and really study what made someone successful, not just purely from a business point of view, but from a personal point of view too, so that you've actually got that balance. And so I went into studying the body. I learned more about communication. I'd already been involved in training a lot in the environment I was working in. And then I studied to be a counsellor so I could understand what was going on, you know, mentally and emotionally for people. And then I studied body-mind analysis, which really joined the dots for me. And it was really about really recognizing how everything we think and feel is a reflection of what's going on in our body language. And our body language really doesn't lie. You know, it, it really is a mirror of what's going on on the top level, but also what's going on unconsciously and what isn't being said. So it's really, really powerful tool to A, recognize, you know, your own body language and how you come across to other people, but also to be able to pick up those subtle and not so subtle cues from other people. Well, that's great because you, you probably answered my first question there already, Suzanne, which is uh, brilliant. Is, you know, what, what, where do you think people get body language wrong most? Because, you know, uh, when I think about body language, some people think it's a bit, you know, mimicky or it's a bit trickery. What, what, what are the, 
what are the, what are the ways in which that people get body language wrong or reading it or, or are they just not aware of it in the first place? Well, I think you've touched on both things there. You know, number one, a lot of people are really not that aware of, you know, how they're coming across themselves and focus mainly on observing other people. But if they're not really present within themselves, the chances of them picking up cues accurately, you know, are quite diminished. And then you've got the other aspect of things where, you know, people do think, oh, my gosh, it's, you know, this is a trick or it's magic or it's a load of ho-hum. But again, you know, this, this is a science that's been going on since Charles Darwin. There's a lot of research in Harvard University. It's incredibly impactful to actually understand about these things for yourself, but also to, particularly if you're in business or sales, to be able to read your clients really, really well so you can, you know, positively influence them and, you know, sway them to what it is that they actually need that you can provide for them. Mm-hmm. So. Suzanne, with that in mind, what what do you could we maybe start? Because I know you do a lot of this is in the sort of field of micro expressions. Maybe you, yeah. for a beginner with L plates like me or some of our listeners, could you maybe explain that that concept of micro expressions to us? Yeah, sure. Um, micro expressions are mini facial expressions that pass over the face within a fifth or a twenty fifth of a second. So it's really really fast. And most people don't actually can't identify it. They recognize something's happened. It's an emotion that's passing over the face. And again, it can be conscious or it can be something that someone's feeling unconsciously, but it's bringing up to the surface. So you really need to study to actually recognize these. And I do this with Sky City Casino training their surveillance and security guys and also with some of the casinos overseas to spot deception and be able to read emotions. And even though some of them are trained, you know, 20 years ex-police, they're top level when we start to actually rate them to actually be able to read a micro-expression when I test them at the beginning, the top level that they can actually do is about 15%, whereas your average person is between 5 and 10%. But by the end of the training, you know, we're sort of up to, well, certainly with Sky City, we're up to 80 and some of the top levels up to 90%, whereas your average person, you can get up to about 70% within a, you know, a short time frame because you're actually showing them what to look for. Mm. And it's so- very useful in sales. You know, if you've actually got someone that is telling you that, yes, they're interested and, you know, their actual physical body language is showing that, yes, they're interested, but they're showing maybe a micro expression of fear or they're showing a micro expression of anger or surprise. You know, that could be really useful to know that, to be able to pick that up and say, hmm, I wonder, you know, asking them some effective questions around that. Yeah, and that, that's, a, that's a nice one there, Suzanne, because it brings me on to that next point around um, – what are the sort of most obvious things in a sales situation for us and listeners where we can recognize non-verbally that someone is engaged and involved in what we are talking to them about? Yeah, sure. Well, I mean, obviously, the obvious one is that they have what we call open body language where, the, you know, their arms aren't crossed, their head is facing you, their eyes, you know, they're looking at you in the, in the eyes. And, again, we have to be mindful of cultural awareness there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, they, they are actually engaged with you. Their whole body, their head, their shoulders, their belly button and their feet are facing towards you. If any, other, if any part isn't facing towards you, then part of their interest is elsewhere. 
So on that, Suzanne, you know, again, if we're in a sales situation and we're talking and and pitching to a prospect, do you sometimes see conflict in body language? Like you talked about, you talked about that they could be leaning in and facing you, but at the same time, there's some micro expressions that are telling you different things. Does, Does conflict occur in, in, in body language context? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, it, it, you can have someone with their arms folded but they're smiling. You know, if they're not totally open, they're not going to buy from you. It's as simple as that. You've actually got to get them open, you know, and there's some simple ways that you can actually get them open. But, but the key here is it's not just about observing the other person. It's about getting yourself really comfortable in your own skin and recognising your own body language so that you can make the other person really comfortable, you know, and, and people don't actually think to do that. They, they often prepare their pitch, the words they're going to say, you know, the negotiation aspect, but they don't think about their physical body and how they're coming across or even their clothing. You know, if you're going to talk to a farmer who's likely to be in, you know, maybe some very relaxed or work clothing for you to turn up in a really, really tight knit suit with, you know, all the, all the bells and whistles, you know, there's a mismatch there. You want to, as much as possible, like with like, you still need to dress in a smart way so that there is a respect element there, but it needs to be in keeping with whoever your client is. Yeah, I think I think we call it in the trade shiny shoes. Shiny yeah. shoes turn up. They're usually not too not too welcome. No, that's a nice, a nice little insight there. Um so what I'm picking up on there very interesting is again for a beginner like myself or listeners that want to understand this uh, subject more deeply is that when we talk about body language we often uh, assume that we're talking about the other person but what you're yeah. saying you've got to focus on yourself first and, and understand how you're coming across in order to understand how others are coming across to you is that is it, am I getting that yeah. right or yeah totally I mean you know there's the head level focusing on yourself where, you know, you have open body language, you mirror and match that other person. So that makes them feel comfortable because, you know, like, likes, like, you know, if, if people like each other, they tend to mimic each other unconsciously often and their body language seems very similar. And then someone will, will copy the other person. Often they don't even realize they're doing it, but, you know, getting yourself really comfortable and noticing if you're, uh, a big talker, you know, a lot of the rural company environment is not, you know, they're not really big with words. They have less words. Mm. You know, they tend to speak much more slower. Their gestures, mm. you know, they won't do a lot of gestures. They will be less, but they will be more meaningful when they do them. Mm. So it, it's a cultural difference between town and country. Mm. It's really important to know that if you are a more, you know, you're more a townie and you're, working with people that are more from the country and Mm. give them space to actually make a decision. Don't just fill the gaps with words. That's really interesting. Again, like when we do farming panels and we talk to clients, we say one of the protocols is you let the, you let that farming customer complete their sentence because sometimes they're still thinking about what they're saying. And, and the other thing that you're saying there are useful is that when you're tuning into that farm or that rural uh, customer in, in a provincial setting, which they often normally are, is that they might not be saying much, but their body's saying a lot. Their body is often saying a lot. And, and the stillness can also be them saying a lot. You know, they're actually considering. There's, generally when people are making a decision or processing, they do 
some hand-to-face gestures or chin rubbing. You know, chin rubbing is a great one where people are actually making a decision. And once they've actually stopped chin rubbing, they have made that decision. Now, depending on whether their body language is open or closed prior to that, the decision is for you or against you, basically. So there's some little things that you can actually think about, but it's also giving them space. Don't get too much in their space. You know, give a little bit of distance because they're used to working, you know, across a field or whatever. They don't have people bang in their space. Yeah, and I think that whole distance is a is an important thing as well I, interestingly again i probably uh need to be de-learned here suzanne but uh, that interesting thing around you're talking around mirroring and matching is it needs to be done very subtly because yeah. obviously then there's that subject of leading so when yeah. you're mirroring and matching you need lead but, you know what's your view on when you you know there are some suggestions or practitioners that say that actually the, it, the probably the most subconscious and most subtle way to create rapport is to match the breathing of your prospect what's your view on that yeah that's great if you're close enough to actually recognize that but if you're dealing with a farmer and you're a bit bit of a distance away you might (laughs) struggle with that you know I, I think it is really you know people that are in the rural community they tend to have wider stances so it's just having that uh awareness of what their body is doing and match it wherever possible that doesn't mean you have to do it head to foot you know it's actually start with one area and the key is my from my perspective in a sales environment to start with let them lead you know a lot of people say in sales you lead but actually let them lead get comfortable with you so if they start with their arms folded you know just have one arm across you so that you're not totally open and they're closed because again you've got a mismatch it's really about getting that sense of connection and the best way to do that is yes from your mind yes from your body language but you know take a deep breath feel the ground underneath your feet get connected to the earth they're connected to the earth these people mm. yourself down and then you'll slow down and you'll be in sync much more in sync with them than you ever could be if you're just thinking about what you're going to do and what the body language is you know, it helps you relax and then it's it all becomes a lot easier. Yeah, this is making a lot of sense. So if you're, you know, you're in a um, situation where you're rocking up to a retail merchant or a farm, do you have to sort of, I'm not talking sort of Amy Cuddy power poses, but do you have to sort of set yourself, get yourself set, get yourself in a zone in terms of tuning into your own body first before engaging and, and being able to assess the body language and read the body language of others, how do, how would you go about that, yeah, before, that before that first meeting? Definitely. Um, to me, this is about building a muscle. You know, you can do it as ambulance at the bottom of the cliff or just before you go to a meeting. But really, I I call it press pause. It's actually taking stock, start your day, feeling your feet on the floor, hand on your stomach, take a deep breath down and just really connect into your stomach because often – you know, particularly if we're anxious or busy, we're working from our mental and we've cut off a lot of our emotional, we're just in action. So we're mind and action, but we're not connected emotionally. And actually people buy from connection. People buy from people they like. So getting that emotional connection by breathing into your body and just really settling yourself down and thinking about, you know, what's the most important thing for me to get from this meeting which could be 
you know, that you literally just get a connection with that person and the next phase is that you're going to sell to them because relationships create natural referrals. That's the bottom line. So you get start developing that relationship with your own body and how you're responding or reacting. Then it's much easier to pick up those subtle cues from someone else. And also, you know, you get more charisma. People actually feel much more comfortable around you because you're settled you're not in hyperdrive trying to get a result. You're actually connected to what their needs are as much as anything else. Yeah, and again, that that's that's talking to me because what you're saying is you have to kind of um, first get a relationship with your own body before you yeah. can create a relationship with someone else's, right? Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, this is something that I've been teaching when I first started training the uh, surveillance guys at Sky City, you know, they wanted me to teach them to spot deception and criminals and all that type of thing. And I said, well, if you want me to develop courses, we need to do the presence piece first, because otherwise people are reacting from, you know, whatever's going on in their life where they've just rushed from a, you know, and been in the rush hour or had an argument with the husband or wife or, you know, they've got a prejudice or there's a cultural thing. There's lack of awareness. If you do the presence piece and just get that simple sense of connection, then when we teach the parts about picking up cues, they can do it on a much more instinctive, intuitive basis, and that gut instinct elevates as well as the technical aspects of things, which, mm. you know, get better results really, really fast. And New Zealand rugby, same. We did all this with New Zealand rugby. So tell us about New Zealand rugby. What, what were you teaching there? Uh, I was training the um, elite coaches and the Mitre 10 coaches and then we did we took it across the board with all the provisional coaches to, you know, understand their own body language, to see how they were coming across and then how they could influence their players, how they could pick up cues quickly, you know, if someone was struggling or they needed some support or they needed some help and how to manage people in a way that was much more effective as opposed to aggressive or dominant, you know, because a lot of the coaches, you know, they hadn't, they hadn't been brought up with that. There was a lot of dominance mm -hmm. and it wasn't always working rather than influencing. And so, you know, I, it ended with me talking at um, Eden Park, the whole series that we did, uh, at Eden Park with Graham Henry, which was very cool. And his body language is very dominant, but he's well, entitled. <laughs> well, Ted, Ted, like farmers, he doesn't use many words either, does he? No, but he's got a great sense of humour, you know. And, yeah. and, you know, that's what my experience with farmers when we were, you know, we had some land up in Waipu was, you know, there is a great sense of humour sitting underneath everything for a lot of the people yeah. because yeah. they have to use that because yeah. often their lives are actually quite tough. Yes, very much so, very much so. It can be a lonely, lonely place out there. Yeah, exactly. Hey, um, Susanna, I want to ask that question. I mean, you know, you gave us a statistic earlier of those micro-expressions where even trained um, police officers that are now working in security at, um, you know, Sky City Casino or whatever, and you talked about them going from 15% uh, reading micro-expressions accuracy to 80. That's a phenomenal jump. Yeah. But, I mean, the the... the common public like you uh, like me I should say not yourself because you're off the scale but you know how it, it's amazing how poor we are at reading signals and right. cues and 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 it's such a deterrent uh an inhibitor for us to being able to connect and uh, 
you know, we talk about self-awareness in an emotional sense, but we're not talking about um, self-awareness in a physical being sense, are we either? But the two two are very connected, aren't they? It's all connected. You know, yeah. I'm, I'm a great believer you can't study body language without having an understanding that it is a reflection of what you think and feel. You know, it is like a car. You wouldn't expect to have an engine and, you know, the carburetor and have them not connected somewhere along the line. It's like our mental, emotional and physical is all connected. But we don't have an awareness necessarily of that, you know, and, and you can do that through thinking, well, you know, how am I thinking about this situation? How am I feeling about this situation? And what is my body language doing right now? So you can change how you actually feel by standing in a power pose, you know, and elevating your testosterone or lowering the cortisol or, you know, you can also impact by closing up. And that, again, increases cortisol and lowers testosterone. So a power pose is a great thing to do if you're feeling a bit nervous about going to visit someone or you need to get focused. If you just do that before you go and visit someone, you know, for two minutes, it just helps you feel strengthened. And if you're going to deal with somebody in the rural community and visit them in their environment, you know, think about standing in that power pose and really just connecting with the land because, you know, it really stabilizes you. And then you can go in and think about, well, what is it that this person needs most from me? You know, obviously you're there to sell a product or a service, but what is the step before that that they need most from me? They need you to be open, accepting, recognizing what's going on for them, picking up those cues so that you can ask the right question to draw out of them, you know, what it is that they need and how you can help them. Mm. I mean, a lot of my, a lot of the clients and people that I work with are rural sales or marketing professionals. They usually have come from the land. Um, they're very familiar. Right. Um, and, you know, we, we've probably been talking in a sort of more urban, rural setting, but sort of moving the conversation to that stage is, I, I sense when I look and I observe sales teams is they actually aren't really tuned in. They're yes. so focused on getting, you know, it's like show up and throw up. They're so keen to get their point of view across. They haven't taken stock, to, to use a rural term, they haven't taken stock of what's going on with the, 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 the recipient of their message. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, this is where it's something that I do a lot with uh, sales teams when we do training is to teach them interruption cues. Mm. And that's a really good indicator that someone is not on board with you or they've got something to say or they've got an objection or something like that. And at that point, zip it. You literally have to zip it. And a lot of salespeople struggle with that because they are very focused on whatever their pitch is, what they're going to say, and they miss those cues. And they can be as simple as, you know, someone just putting their hand or even a finger to their lip, or it could be any hand-to-face gesture, there's a lot going on, or, or a slight turn away from you with the foot or the shoulder that is telling you something's not, you know, resonating with them, at which point take a breath, be quiet, and then ask them, you know, what is it, what exactly are some of your challenges that I may be able to help you with? Some simple questions like that. Yeah. So you're getting those. You're getting those really uh, non-verbal cues that can kind of help you navigate your. Because it's not like following a script. We all know that. You know, it needs to be a, a natural flow. Um, and you know, you feel you ne- you need to be in sync and you need to connect with that audience. And and as I say, the the thing that's striking me here is that if you can get the 
the non-verbal, right? Because what's the statistic? They say sort of 60, 70% is non-verbal and then tone and then physical. Can you... Uh, yeah, I, I, totally, I totally agree with that. And, I mean, with rural people, even more body language, you know, that would be even higher in the rural community because, mm. you know, they do talk less, they use words less, they use actions more. Mm. And they are generally, you know, there's always differences, but generally they they are stiller they're more still you know they don't always have they're not talking to people all day long necessarily so the key here is listen more to the body language yeah i think that's yeah. a, i think that's a key takeout isn't it yeah. because because they say less what they say matters when they say it yes but also their body language is telling you way more than they're telling you verbally Totally, you know, and they're, they're processing often, you know, mm. particularly because they're not necessarily going to think about exactly what they want to talk about. And it may mean that you come back to them. You know, I think that's really something to think about, that you you can leave them with something rather than have to have them make a decision there and then. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, look, um, I wanted to get a couple of couple of tips. I mean, you'll have heaps heaps to talk to us, and we don't have that time. But can you you talked about chin rubbing, and yeah. chin rubbing is a a sign of what processing thinking. Yeah, particularly considering. around decision making. You know, chin rubbing often, and particularly you will find this quite a bit with rural people. Chin rubbing is often when they're making a decision. You know, also you can have an evaluation cue where they've got the hair, the, uh, like an L shape where the thumb's underneath the chin and the other finger is along the side of the face. And if they've got a finger in their mouth or just touching their mouth, there's often negative processing going on. So they may have a question or a doubt there. Anything that's going towards the mouth, you know, ask them if they've got some questions or there is some concerns that they may have. Yeah, that's good because obviously when the when finger or, or hands go near the mouth, it's almost like they are subconsciously trying to stop something coming out. Stop something coming out, but also it can be a pacifier where they're actually trying to, you know, they're uncomfortable with the conversation, particularly fingers or even a pen in the mouth or anything like that. But it, it's it's usually a negative thought pattern that's starting to create it may not be about you it could be about can I afford this it could be any of those things but it is an indicator for you to actually ask an effective question at that point maybe mm. just take a breath notice if they keep doing it and then just ask you know what might be some of their concerns yeah no great great tip and then what about when someone scratches the back of their head what are they doing there <laughs> well scratching the back of the head or the back of the neck neck often there's some frustration there i mean obviously if you've been sat at a computer the whole time we have to think of context here mm, mm. someone sat at a computer it could be just that they've got a stiff neck but if they suddenly go into you know particularly you bringing their hand their arm out into uh, like a teapot you know so you've got your hand on your hip with one hand and then put the other hand behind their neck there's some frustration happening which i can is see i can see I can see that happening with farmers a lot sometimes. Yeah. I can I yeah. can literally see that um, that happening. Now, Suzanne, another one around – I've always been intrigued by this, so hopefully you can help me out. I've always wanted to know the difference between – and maybe it's not in a rural setting or a farming setting, but when people rub their hands slowly mm-hmm. and when they rub their hands fast, what's what are they telling us? What's, what's that communicating? 
when they're rubbing their hands together, it, it generally means that two things it could mean. It can mean that they want you to hurry up and get on with it and they're ready to go, they're ready to make the deal, they're ready to get on with it, or it could be that they're really excited about it. Yeah, so they're almost, excuse me, almost like they're aroused, they're activated. Yeah, definitely. You know, they're engaged, yeah. Definitely. Because, you know, sometimes someone's might be selling you something and they, they want to sit you down in the restaurant, the waiter rubs their hands really fast. Is that a, but what happens when they rub their hands slowly? What's going okay. on there? We call these intention cues. So it's the intention of what they're wanting to have happen. When they're rubbing their hands together slowly and saying, oh, yes, that's a really good deal or whatever it is, the chances are that actually they're thinking they're going to get more out of it than you are. <laughs> yeah. So, when yeah. They're, so if I sum it right, when they're rubbing their hands fast, they're, they're generally excited for you. And when they're rubbing their hands slowly, like maybe a used car salesman, I'm sorry, all the used car salesmen out there, there's some very good ones that's usually more self-serving. Yeah, self-serving. You know, the rubbing the hands fast can also mean hurry up, get on with it. And you need to take notice of that. If you're laboring the point, you know, you're telling the same thing again, they may have made that decision and it's like, yeah, okay, let's just get on with it. Yeah, yeah. Now a couple more before because we're we're going to – just give the listeners a couple more here and then we'll we'll wrap up a wee bit because this has been – super super little insights and tips from you Suzanne and I will we'll get some more in a minute but you do a lot in leadership presence don't you I do so tell us about because I I have very rarely witnessed leadership presence I've seen it a few times but tell us about it um, because I think you can you can sense it when someone comes in the room tell us a bit more about it you know, number one, they're very comfortable in their own skin. Number two, they're usually very flexible so they can adapt to the situation quite quickly but also hold their own centre. It really is about getting very, very connected in your body but also with what you're thinking and you're feeling and they're very connected emotionally. You know, that sounds strange but, you know, we cannot avoid emotion when we're connecting with other people because the emotional brain is twice the size of the logical brain, yet we're not taught these things in school and we often avoid emotion because we think it's a touchy-feely thing, but actually people buy on emotion. They buy on connection. So, you know, actually understanding your own emotions and your triggers, you know, people have presence when they're able to have a reaction to something and then settle it down very quickly so they can create a response rather than a reaction, not get angry. They just take a breath. They connect with themselves. It doesn't mean they're never angry. It just means they can manage themselves really, really quickly. But this is about developing a muscle. It's about going on a marathon rather than a sprint. Mm. There's very few people that have this naturally, but it, it, it is something that can be developed. And it's about, number one, it's about awareness, and it's about being willing to really connect with what's going on for you so that you can connect better with others and influence them in a way that, you know, elevates them as well as working, you know, creating win-wins, really. It's your ideal. I think I think in, as you've been talking to me about that, I've now remembered who that person was that had leadership presence and she's well-known, um, the ex-chairwoman of um, LAMCOR. Her name is Tracy Hulpapa. And I've seen her come into conferences room, Suzanne, and it's almost like she's regal. Yes. And she comes in and literally the, 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 the attributes you're talking about there, the, the, 
deeply connect, emotionally connected, comfortable, comfortable in our own skin, flexible to the scenario or questions or audience. And it was, it was, it, it was like she was slow moving. Yes, like, you know, she, she commanded the room. Yeah, and I, I hardly see it. You see it. You probably saw it with Ted. Um, with, uh, I don't know. Did he no, really not so him? much. He, he's he's definitely got uh, a domineering presence, yeah. and you know that's probably his headmaster. Yeah, um, I, I mean, funny. he's got a lot. Of, he's got a lot of lovely humour. You know, he's yeah. a great guy. Yeah, uh, leadership presence. Um, no, yeah. I probably wouldn't put him in that category, but. Yeah. But, but it is also about, you know, people liking being in your presence. They feel settled and comfortable in your presence. You actually make them feel elevated by just being around you. It's a, like a magnetic presence. Yeah. And it is something that you can generate, but it does require you to do, you know, some work around empathy, curiosity about others, wanting to understand about other people, but really knowing yourself and really you know, communicating from your centre that you practice every day, not just when you go and connect with people. Yeah, and it's, it's talking about that muscle memory that you referred to earlier. It's something that you build, isn't it? It is definitely. You know, I, I always think of it whenever I do any of this work with anybody, uh, you know, I say let, let's just start with a pra practice. Let's just practice this because we're on a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah. You know, and it is about developing that. And often people want to learn something, absorb it all, but they don't necessarily integrate it. And, you know, what I would say to anybody listening to this is just take one aspect of what we've talked about today and practice that for a week. Don't try and fit it all in, but get that to a state of where you feel comfortable and you feel like you're starting to master it before you move on to the next stage because mm. that's integration and mastery. Yeah, yeah, well said, well said. A couple more for you, Suzanne, and then we'll, we'll love you and leave you. Is um, I, we, we, handshakes, the art of the handshake. This is an interesting one. I've had bone crushers, I've had wet, <laughs> I've had wet fish. Yeah. And what, what, tell me about the art of the handshake. I mean, I reckon that's another whole show or podcast. You can almost talk about that for oh, totally. half an hour because it's such a big ritual and part of our society and Western culture. But, the art of the handshake, what's your views on that? The art of the sh handshake, well, your know, ideal is web to web, you know, and equal, equal power. And if you want to take, you know, the leadership role, your handshake needs to be 10% firmer. That's all. No more. But the great thing about handshake is it tells you straight away where the other person is at. Yeah. You know, so from a learning point of view, whether they're giving you a, you know, they could be old school and they were taught firm, hard handshake. I've had that with a lot of the surveillance guys, you know, particularly the older ones mm. where they really almost rip your hand off. And I'll just say, oh, interesting handshake. You know, so it brings it to their awareness because often they're not even aware that's what they were brought up with. Yeah. But, you know, that tells you old school, that tells you they want a traditional approach to how you connect with them. You know, if you've got someone that dominates and puts their thumb really hard down on the top of you or actually comes in with their hand above you, you know, they're going to want to dominate the situation. So from a sales point of view, that's not ideal. You don't want them to dominate. You can actually subtly move that around or you can step forward on 
into their space on your left foot and immediately you can twist their arm slightly round without it being hard work at all because they're so focused on the fact that you've got into their space and immediately you've readjusted the power balance. Yeah, that's so true because, you know, we've seen the Guardian example studying Donald Trump's handshakes, his weird yeah. handshakes and Justin Trudeau from Canada and so on. It's uh... Now, last question. Um, if someone's in a meeting room and you're with a prospect, where's the best place to sit? If you're in first, you know, ideally you want to have your back to to the door. That's where most people tend to sit. But if the other person's sitting before you and it's a new prospect, I would sit on their right-hand side because the right-hand side is the logical part of the body. It's the left mm. brain and it's less threatening. If you sit on their left side, this is if they're left right-handed, you sit on their left side is the emotional side and it can make them feel vulnerable in which case they won't open up so quickly to you oh that's a that's a that's a piece of gold isn't it because yeah, that you're is talking a piece about, of gold. about left and <laughs> about left and right and the fact is if they give you a handshake they're gonna they're gonna shake either right-handed or left-handed and if they're left-handed yes. you sit on their left and if they're right-handed you sit on their right correct yeah, I got that right? yeah. And, and ideally in a 45 degree angle you really want to you know, not have a barrier between you like a table. It's quite handy to have a table there, but if you can sit in a 45-degree angle, that works best for men and women. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Suzanne, you've been extremely generous uh, with your wisdom there, and I suppose if you have one piece of advice for rural sales professionals out there, recognising that a lot of them already of the land or they come from a farming background, what would that advice be and why? I think the biggest thing for me would always be think about your own presence, you know, and who do you want to be going into this environment and what might that look like in a body language context and what do I need to do to prepare to be that, to get that connection with that other person. That would always be where I would start. Yeah, fantastic, fantastic. Because I, I picked up a heat from here. The things that I'm picking up is that, you know, your the, the physical, even though you might not be saying it, the physical um, manifests itself um sorry the emotional manifests itself through the physical you know your yeah, body's definitely. telling you things that you're not verbalizing and you know we talked around chin rubbing which is a sign of interest and um consideration and processing um and how you know we uh talk around letting letting prospects lead we talk about the art of the handshake which is really interesting and i really love that that was a real that was a that was a really good one around where you should sit uh in a first prospect meeting you know if they if they sit first and if they're left-handed you sit on the left and if you if they're right-handed you sit on the right because obviously if it's on the other side of their dominant brain that is that is conflicting that is harder work emotionally for them yeah totally so Suzanne, this is this has been this has been bloody awesome. Great first session. I've always been really intrigued by body language. I think it's sometimes very misunderstood by people and probably has connotations that I I think do it a disservice. But so if people want to find out more and go a bit deeper on the things like leadership presence and micro expressions, because you're the expert, what how do they how do they get hold of you? Where can they find out more? Okay, well, you can go to thebodylanguagecompany.com. That's yep. the, web, the website. Cool. And we'll and, put that on the transcript, yep. Yeah, and we also have an online course, uh, signals2success.com, which has, is in companies all around the world. 
And that is a body language relationship, emotional intelligence course that you can do online on your own or you can do it within the company. You know, your companies often buy it and put it across the whole company. There is a certification, but you don't have to do that. Um, And there is also a signaturesuccess.com micro expressions. Or if people want to have me come and do trainings for their company, then they can contact me through the bodylanguagecompany.com website in on the contact area. Fantastic. And we're probably going to see you um, jump up on TV3 or TVNZ Breakfast. I often see you there studying, uh, being their body language expert on royal weddings and the bachelor <laughs> and, and yeah. politicians. And I, I honestly, I find it as a subject that's very fascinating. I, I honestly believe it's like a, not a Jedi power, but it's a superpower for salespeople. It's another string to their bow where they can properly understand how they're coming across and when they're in tune with themselves, they can understand how, when when they can read themselves, they can read others, right? Yeah, totally. I mean, the more you understand about yourself, the easier it is to pick up the cues from other people because you, you actually recognize it on a physical level and you see it in other people far quicker. Yeah, that's self-awareness, isn't it? Because we're, it is. we're emotionally we're so often, a lot of us, including me, very unemotionally aware, self-aware of how we come across uh, in our tone. I'm a classic, but also, and that's, <laughs> that's a podcast for another day, but it's more around you know being really, really aware of your body and the language that it's sending to others before you can then yeah. be able to others, yeah? Yeah, totally, totally. And, you know, that that also helps settle you down. It helps slow you down so your stress levels go down. You know, there's so many benefits to really be becoming aware of your own body language, you know, from your relationship perspective as well as from a professional perspective. Mm, mm, fantastic. Well, Suzanne, it's been brilliant to have you on the first show. Um, again, we hope you're going to have many more. Maybe, you know, and a few and a few more uh, shows you might get you back. But um, I wanted to say thank you very much uh, for the listeners. I'm sure they got a, a, a lot out of that. There's some real little gems in there. And um, it's been great to have you on the show. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you, Suzanne. So, team, that wraps up our first show on the Science of Selling podcast. I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope you learned something along the way that you can apply to your rural business or your heartland business in New Zealand. Um, in the next few shows, we're going to be talking about the importance of search engine optimization, or commonly known as SEO, and how you relate it to Google. Um, we're also going to be talking around how to create content that customers crave, because content really is king when it comes to marketing these days. And we're also going to look at the future of the ad agency model in due course. So it's been great to have your company. Please remember to subscribe to us on the iTunes using the subscribe button, and we'll see you again soon. So uh, thank you for listening, and bye for now.